Hello and welcome. This is Embodied Astrology, and this is your host, Renee Sills. I'm a Sensate Intuitive, Somatic Movement Educator, and Consulting Astrologer. Embodied Astrology is my ongoing project where I research and explore tropical astrology as a means to better understand life, love, relationships, spirituality, and the world around us. You're listening to the Collective Horoscope for the New Moon in Aries on April 5th, 2019. If you enjoy this work and want more of it, please visit my website, embodiedastrology.com. There you can find a post for this new moon and short written horoscopes for all 12 signs. You can also access my online classes and learn more about the ways I work with individuals, couples, and groups. Follow me on Instagram at embodiedastrology for semi-regular astro updates and other inspiration. I hope you enjoy this horoscope. Thanks so much for listening, and happy new moon. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome, welcome back. Thank you so much for listening and for joining me. It is April 4th, around 9 p.m. in Portland, Oregon, as I'm recording. This is the eve of the new moon. The new moon is exact tomorrow morning. And I'm happy to be recording right now. I've been um, thinking a lot about this new moon and the way that Aries energy manifests here on the planet. So I'm going to jump into that in just a minute. Uh, Before I do, I want to encourage you to listen to the introductions, how to listen to the collective horoscope for this episode. Um, In those introductions, I uh, lay it out for every sign or every rising sign. um, When I'm talking about the astrology that I'm just about to get into, how uh, to listen to that astrology and to understand that astrology is happening for all of us. We're all living on this planet Earth, and the Earth is in relationship to other planets, to the sun and to the moon, etc. And astrology occurs, and it affects our charts differently. And a horoscope uh, for the zodiac signs is a somewhat general interpretation of how astrology is manifesting for each sign. And basically, an astrology chart is a map of the sky at the time and the place that you were born. And um, that map is very complex. There are a lot of different things happening in it. And for a thorough understanding of your own astrology chart, get a reading. Um, An astrology reading is far and beyond more profound than any horoscope you'll encounter. Um, And there are lots of talented astrologers out there. A lot of people are picking it up uh, now and learning more about it. So you may have a friend that's able to to help you understand it. There's a lot of books. um, And I offer readings as well. So if you enjoy my style and the way that I interpret astrology, book a session with me and we can go over your chart. And I do charts for individuals and I also do charts for relationships. Um, That means two or more people, um, and looking at the ways that astrology influences how we relate, how we get along. And that experience will be unparalleled in a horoscope. But for a horoscope, you can actually get a really good sense of what's going on and how it's affecting people differently. So as you listen, you might want to listen with a friend or three and then just talk about, oh, you know, when Renee was saying this and talking about this area of my life, this is how I'm feeling it, like what's going on for you. And that'll actually help you learn astrology if you're a student or um, curious about it, uh, because it is all happening for us. And um, yeah, 
I'm curious about these collective horoscopes actually as a, as a way to engage more deeply in relationship and in our collective experience. And I would love to hear your feedback. Um, if you have any, how to make them more accessible, it's not something that I've encountered elsewhere. So, um, I don't really have a prototype for it, but if there are ways that I can make the introductions more accessible or this horoscope, um, you know, better, uh, let me know. Um, Okay, so quick update on what's been going on since I last touched base with you two weeks ago at the Libra full moon. That was quite a powerful full moon for me um, in my relationships. It was really amazing kind of what got illuminated. Uh, Big lessons for me in getting along with other people and communicating and holding space and... um, the balance between the self and the other, which I think is the big lesson about Aries and Libra. And we're in kind of a special month in that there's two full moons in Libra, one at the very first degree and one at the very last degree. I don't actually know why that's happening um, right now or this month, but it seems like it is. So <laughs> that's what's coming up in the ephemeris. And um, in two weeks, I'll be back at you with another um, interpretation of the full moon. Although at that point, I'll be really thinking about the transition of the signs and um, the way that these axes and polarities uh, work in relationship with other signs in the zodiac. Um, If you listened to that episode, you will have heard kind of a month ahead forecast. And if you're interested in more of what's happening this month, I encourage you to check it out. And in that episode, you also heard me talking about some of the big influences that have been really uh, quite active the last couple of days. I've been seeing um, a lot of clients and a number of friends who are like, what the fuck is going on? Why do I feel so crazy? I feel so emotional. I'm so tired. I don't know which way is up. There's a lot of confusion. There's a lot of fatigue. There's a lot of feelings. So two, two things going on. The first is that Mercury has been conjunct to Neptune um, for almost the last 10 days. It, it is starting to separate right now, so that conjunction is ending. But basically, whenever um, Mercury is stationing retrograde or direct, and Mercury stationed direct on March 28th, it slows down. And Mercury is a very fast-moving planet, typically, so when it slows down, um, that's exceptional. And it will spend about um, five days on either end of its station, kind of hovering around the same degree. So this time, Mercury stationed direct uh, at 16 degrees of Pisces, which happens to be the same degree uh, where Neptune is or was that day. And that's exceptional, that Mercury is in an exact conjunction, and conjunction means occupying the same place in the sky from our point of view on Earth um, with another planet. And in the sign of Pisces, as Mercury and Neptune both are, feelings are big. Pisces is a water sign, and it's called mutable water. It's uh, a sign that changes a season. This is a mutable sign. And the water signs are all associated to the feeling layer, to the emotional Uh, experience. And Pisces is related to the kinds of emotions that are everywhere. 
And so this means vibes. It means how uh, you, you might walk into someone's house and your mood shifts because the vibe in the house is different. Or you're talking to a friend and they're telling you some story about how they're doing, but you're actually sensing that there's something else that's going on. Or you say hello to a new person, you get a big you know, sensation that you don't know where it came from and like feeling of who knows what, but then later you realize like you were picking up on their feelings. And Pisces is pretty associated, closely associated to um, psychic experiences, to the dream state, to inebriation and uh, druggedness and the, the loss of self, as well as the spiritual experience and the transcendence of uh, the material plane. And Neptune is the modern ruler of Pisces, and so Neptune in Pisces is going to magnify this energy a lot, and Neptune's influence as a planet is to help us um, kind of dissolve our attachments and to elevate us into different perceptions and connections with quote-unquote reality. And the lessons of Neptune and Pisces is that reality is in the ineffable. It's in the in-between spaces. It's not the material that you can touch, taste, and feel. You know, it's the essence of something. And Mercury, as a planet, is the cognitive mind. It's our language. It's our speech function. It's how we think about things. And it's the exchanges that we, we make or the connections that we have. <clears throat> so you might imagine how... You know, the, the image here is that your mind and your thinking mind is basically, uh, you know, being totally opened to the cosmos and all this information is being poured into it. And I think it was Bjork that like coined the phrase, uh, you know, in trying to describe her music that she's trying to push a, an ocean through a straw. And I've heard that as a way to describe Pisces as well, that there's so much information and it's like, we're not quite big enough to contain it or to hold it. And another thing is that when Mercury turns direct, oftentimes we remember something or something comes to the surface. And I've had three clients in the last week who have had experiences during this retrograde of remembering something that they had forgotten. Um, one person had forgotten it her whole life. Two other people had forgotten it for decades. And that some kind of memory surfaced or a knowing surfaced, and it is going to change their lives. That the the way this memory surfaced, it, it changed not only um, you know the, their experience in the present moment, it changed how they were viewing the past, and also now the choices that they're going to make in the future. And if you understand that Pisces is the last sign in the zodiac, and it's the place where everything kind of collects and uh, pours into, then you might understand that this is also a place of deep ancestral resonance. And so there may have been memories arising that are from someone else, from other people, from uh, something that's intangible, but you really know it as something that belongs to you. So a lot of very deep experiences that people have been having um, these last couple of weeks. And now that Mercury has turned direct, it will begin to pick up some speed. Um, and it, it'll move out of Pisces in a couple of weeks, but um, it's still in its shadow. And the shadow means um, the area of 
space that Mercury had traveled to before it had turned retrograde. And so now it has to um, make up the lost ground, so to speak. Again, this is all from our point of view, because astrology is a language for us here on Earth. And it's the way that we tell stories about things and interpret them. So our POV. Um, anyway, Mercury is in its shadow until April 19th. If you're really working with this retrograde, if you feel like it's affected you quite strongly, you might give it until then to let things clear up. And if you have any important decisions to make and a little bit of time uh, to make them, I would recommend uh, waiting until after that point. Then Mercury gets into Aries and um, there's a, a little bit more energy for identifying uh, what it is that you want. Just a quick note to say that um, this Mercury-Pisces conjunction uh, was at 16 and 17 degrees of Pisces. And this would have made um, anyone who has placements in their chart, 16, 17 degrees, uh, th that aspect would have been felt the strongest. And um, especially if you have natal planets or points at 16, 17 degrees of the mutable signs, that includes Virgo, Gemini, and Sagittarius, or the other water signs, Cancer and Scorpio as well. Um, Pisces is also the place that Venus has recently moved into. So Venus entered Pisces on March 26th and until April 21st, you have Venus's influence, bringing a softening, sweetening influence to this place in your life. Listen to the intros. Where is Pisces for you? In this area of life, you receive Venus's influence, uh, but it's also the place where you've been experiencing this Mercury retrograde and the need to reflect, review, revise, remain with the issues that have arisen um, so you can refine, right? All the RE words apply to the Mercury retrograde. Um, the other kind of intense thing that's been happening recently is Pluto conjunct to the south node in Capricorn. So where's Capricorn in your chart? In this area of life, Pluto and Saturn have been coming together uh, in an applying conjunction um, pretty much for the last few months. They will continue to for pretty much the next year. They, they come into exact conjunction in January of 2020 at 22 degrees of Capricorn. And for the last few days, Pluto has been at this degree conjunct to the South Node. And Pluto is a really slow moving planet. It's going to turn retrograde um, in a couple of weeks. And then it'll retrograde for months, and then it'll turn direct, and then Saturn will retrograde, and then it'll turn direct, and then they'll both meet up at this point next January. Um, but currently, we've been having some stimulation at that point and uh, a preparation for what's happening. And it's not really a preparation. It's all part of the process, right? So um, Capricorn as a sign rules traditions and structures and rules and things that have been built up slowly for a very long time. And therefore, they uh, have some kind of authority. And in the world at large, this may be government or leaders or something like this. And in your personal life, this may be uh, the place where you, you know, have some fucking tenacity, where you're going to stick with things, where you're really committed to them, where you're really going to put your all into it, where you have some kind of ambition and idea about what you need to achieve. Wherever Capricorn is, is a place where you have to commit. And you have to put in the work for the long haul. 
and you've got some kind of drive that is propelling you. And that's all good, and sometimes it is not. So when we're working to build things that are not in alignment with our core values or our authentic selves, um, we end up building structures that confine us and that become damaging and potentially quite violent to ourselves and to others. So with Pluto moving through Capricorn, we are all being asked to uh, transform our structures. And like I said, in the world at large, this is a transformation of government and leadership. And all over the world, people are experiencing Pluto and Capricorn. And this is an intense renegotiating and conflict with power and with traditional structures, government and leaders. And all over the world, um, everybody's dealing with the kind of uh, impending um, notice that the, the climate shift is real, that our lives and consumption habits really need to change, that our economies uh, need to change. And how we do that, who knows, but it's definitely bringing up some stuff, right? So Pluto and Capricorn is it's an interesting process for all of us to be going through. It's a time of big transformation in traditional structures. It is the Pluto return for the United States as an idea, and therefore a death and transformation process for that entity and idea. Um, but it's also something that's happening in the entire world. And in your chart, wherever Capricorn is, this is a place where you really want to be examining and looking at the structures that you've built and asking yourself, is this something I really want to commit to? Is this authentic for me? Um, don't be afraid of death. There's plenty of reasons to let things die, including something else will inevitably grow. <laughs> and uh, the, the death grows the life, right? Like, the plants and the animals that die uh, fertilize the soil and become the building blocks of whatever is new. And this is true in our lives in metaphor. If you've been putting a lot of time and energy into something and you're feeling that, I don't know, you're frustrated, your energy is depleted, you keep coming across conflict. This is a big one for Pluto is power struggles and um, kind of re regressive or repressed tendencies like this childish instinct that that might come up and you know want to just throw a fit or whatever that is if these kinds of feelings are arising there's something that needs to shift and so this is an area in your life where you want to turn and, and face death and ask yourself how can I let something go how can I let something change? And the South Node brings extra emphasis to this. The South Node is a releasing point and it's a renun renunciation place. And it's basically where we're ready to resolve karma. And whatever it is that you've built, of course, it, it's been built and you have built it based on the past impressions and the baggage that you carry through your life and you change. And so it is a good time to examine and re-examine um, your efforts and again, be fearless, turn to face it. Now, all that said, these last couple of weeks, two weeks have been 
pretty intense for a lot of people. And again, if you have placements around 22 degrees of Capricorn or any of the cardinal signs, that includes Aries and Libra and Cancer, or the other earth signs, Taurus and Virgo, um, you may be feeling this influence quite profoundly. Finally, uh, the last thing that's happened in the, in the last few weeks is Mars moved into Gemini on March 30th. It will transit Gemini through May 17th. Um, Mars brings energy. So wherever Gemini is in your chart, this is a place where you can activate, you can make some progress, you can get some stuff done. Um, Gemini is good for words and thinking and thoughts. And where Mars is there, you might be ready to act on some new ideas, new ways of communicating, etc. Um, Mars also has a a conflicting energy and can sometimes bring aggression or inflammation. And um, particularly with Gemini, I just want to caution everyone to be mindful of the words you're using. Uh, Mars and Gemini can bring sharp words and argumentative words, and it can really stimulate some gossip. Um, Remember that words are harmful. They can be harmful. They can be healing. So Use them wisely and use them skillfully throughout this transit and make sure that you check and double check your information. Um, Gemini rules small amounts of information and Mars likes to move real fast. So it may be that um, you need to just make sure that you've crossed your T's and dotted your I's, so to speak, and um, uh, try not to get too overwhelmed with all the things that are coming at you. All right, Um, so let's get into this new moon. New moon in Aries, the new moon is at 15 degrees. It's right in the middle of the sign. And a new moon happens pretty much uh, once per year in every sign. It's when the sun and the moon come together from our point of view here on earth. And so the moon uh, in alignment with the sun does not reflect the light of the sun. It's a dark moon. And this is an internal time. So it's a time when we have to use our senses differently. We can't just see what's reflected. We need to come into more of an internal uh, and intuitive space and check in and feel what's there. The new moon is also a great time for setting intention. It's symbolic of a new beginning and the time when a seed is planted. So wherever Aries is in your chart, check it out. And consider for yourself, what intentions do you have for the next year in this place in your chart? And how do you want to develop this energy? Aries is a sign that is the first sign in the zodiac, if you believe in first and last. Um, It is a wheel and a cycle, so no such thing really as a beginning or an end. But Aries is considered to be the first sign um, of kind of the the year, the zodiacal year. It's the returning of the light in the northern hemisphere. It is the equinox season. And Aries comes after Pisces. And again, Pisces is the sign that relates to this idea of the collective or the, um, the everythingness, the ocean. And Aries relates to the self. And so we have in Aries the need to self-actualize. And what the self is, is an ongoing and open debate, right? So you have your body and um, Aries as a sign is associated in many ways to your body, Um, but you also have your identity and the identity and the body definitely go together. So you might identify with your body in a lot of ways, like I am 
you know, fill in the blank, your race or ethnicity or your gender or your religion or um, your name, but they're not really the same thing, right? Like the identity and the body. So the identity is constructed. And what the self is, is a question that I think we're most of us are probably trying to answer most of our lives. Um, what am I and who am I and why am I here? And these are the questions that the fire signs all ask. So Aries is the question of who am I? And Leo is the question of, you know, how am I? What, do, what am I giving? What am I here to express? And Sagittarius is the question of why am I here? What's it all mean? And in the fire signs, we have the passion of the self, like um, there's a reason for me to be here. And with Aries, that reason is to experience I-ness. What do I really want? Who am I actually? Not you, not us, but me. That's a question that's very celebrated in the United States where I'm from and the Western world, I think, uh, people in, um, more traditional or indigenous cultures or definitely, um, who've been born and raised in a lot of Asian cultures might have a very different interpretation of the self. And I wouldn't be the person to talk about it. Right. So, um, I definitely come from a Western framework and the idea of I-ness and individuality is something that I strongly believe in. And I believe that it's really important for all of us to ask these questions. And I also believe that it is constructed. And so the continuous asking of who am I and what is the self, I think is a spiritual path and one that we should probably, uh, you know, well, let's leave out shoulds. One that would probably benefit many people to be on. And in the the questioning, there's a necessary separation of what is constructed and fabricated by cultural expectations, familial identities, again, whatever is put on your body because of your genitals or your shape or your style or whatever, and who you actually are as an essence. That's an ongoing question, and it's an ongoing exploration. And wherever Aries is in your chart, this is a time to meditate on that and really um, spend some time thinking and feeling I. And the question of what am I? What is the I? Um, Such a deep question. And this is a really important time to be asking this question, I think, because Aries has something pretty special going on in it, um, and that's the presence of Chiron. And in the last number of episodes, I've been talking about Chiron and Aries. Um, I will continue to talk about Chiron and Aries for the next eight years because it is a long transit. Chiron is a centaur planet. It's a fairly new planet. It was discovered in 1977. Um, You can call it a planet if you want, or a planetoid, or a dwarf planet, or a KBO, which is acronym for a Kuiper Belt object. Um, Basically, it's this thing, this big ball of rock. It's about 180 kilometers wide, and it has an orbit that's very elliptical, and it links uh, the orbits of Saturn and Uranus. And it 
uh, it's theorized that Chiron, as well as uh, other planets that are called centaur planets, was pulled in from the Kuiper Belt. And the Kuiper Belt is an area of space that is said to contain the pristine origins of the creation of our solar system. Cool, right? So um, one of the things that Chiron does in this linking of the orbits of Uranus and Saturn is it brings Uranian insight into the material and the manifest world of Saturn. And again, you can listen to the previous episode where I talk about that in depth, but just as a, as a gist, what this thing does is it allows us to wake up and have insight into something, and then it gives us support to actualize. And when it comes to the self, this is important, right, for, for awakening to happen, because um, I heard something the other day, like 90% of the thoughts you have aren't yours, like they're thoughts that you're picking up from the people around you or from the radio that you're listening to or from, you know, the religion that you were raised in or the news that you were reading or whatever. And so much of how we think about ourselves is uh, not really who we are. And most of us don't live in places and really aren't involved in pastimes that would encourage this kind of ongoing question of, well, what am I? And even if we are like into astrology or buto dancers or living in a collective where this is the main question, um, to exist in the world doesn't really support that kind of questioning, unfortunately. Can you imagine though, if we did live in a world where that that's what got taught in school is like how to know yourself? Um, anyway, <clears throat> Chiron and Aries, eight year transit. And um, this is an energy that is here to support us in self-actualizing, but the actualizing is a healing process. And so there are many layers of false identification, which have created probably significant pain in our lives where we identify wrongly. It's like, um, you know, whatever idea got put in your head somewhere and you think this is how I should act. Oh, to be a good partner, I should do this, but it's like not really what you want or something like that. And now let's wake up. You know, we have this influence that says, okay, wake up, don't try and be someone that you're not. Look at the ways that yourself has been constructed and then let those layers dissolve, get in touch with who you really are. And the Aries energy is a warrior energy and it is capable of bursting through limitations and conquering the the obstacles and getting what it wants. So there's a lot of energy and momentum for self-actualization and identifying in this new moon. And that is a place to meditate. Um, One of the ways that I've been thinking about Aries and, uh, Aries as an energy and also Chiron and Aries and what it's bringing up is masculinity. And when I say masculinity, I do not only mean people who have been identified or identify themselves as men. I mean the energy that we would clump into the category of masculine. So that could mean a whole lot of things depending on where you come from or what frameworks you're using. Um, And I also mean the ways that males and maleness uh, get 
certain standards and ideas and assumptions put on them. And male identified people are expected um, by society to perform in certain ways. And if you've heard of this thing called toxic masculinity, um, the idea here is that there's a lot of toxicity wrapped up in the masculine assumption. So traits like aggressiveness or leadership or decisiveness or strength, you know, that these are qualities that um, historically have been ascribed uh, to masculinity and have really been celebrated in the people who exhibit them. And those people are often men. And that celebration and emphasis has led to cultures um, that glorify violence or that are very strongly identified around leadership or being right or something like that. And that's a toxic state because, uh, well, first of all, you know why, but violence is harmful, right, to all of us. And these kinds of ideas lead to exploitation of our bodies and of the planet. And this idea that we're right, or that we need to be leaders, or that we have the answer, we are strong and dominant, or whatever it is, um, really don't allow question. They don't allow awe. They don't allow mystery. They don't allow magic. Pretty fucking boring and really destructive. So toxic masculinity is not something that I'm associating or assigning to a gender identity or to a, a sex, but it is something that I'm thinking about as kind of a cultural experience. And this new moon in Aries uh, being the first new moon um, with Chiron kind of in the sign to stay is a new moon to, to maybe start to unpack some of this and the ways that ideas about masculinity have affected you. And I promise you, even if you are a super dyke identified female, um, female of all females, you're totally affected by masculinity, right? And you've adopted a lot of those ideas and it, they've probably shaped your brain in many ways. Um, so check in with that energy in the part of your chart that Aries rules and with ideas that might be associated to it, like um, I should be right and I should be the best, or I'm going to be a leader, or do something new, or be awesome, or whatever that, you know, competitive, assertive, aggressive drive might be. Um, those might be themes to, to kind of take a look at. Competition is a big one. And if you're interested in working with it on a deeper level, then um, practice with the guided meditation that I'm offering for this new moon, Detoxifying Masculinity. A lot of people won't listen to it because they're going to assume that it is um, only for, I don't know, <laughs> only for men for one reason or only for women for another reason. It's definitely for everyone. And um, uh, I explore the idea of a gender binary and um, it's an offering for healing for those of us that exist in the spectrum of non-binary trans intersex, as well as those who are strongly cisgendered. Um, it's an exploration of the ways that masculinity has, 
been internalized for all of us. And if it's something that you want to work with, um, check that out. If you're interested in working more with Chiron, I'll be offering a class this coming Saturday from 11 to 1.30 Pacific time. It's an online class. It's called Reconnecting the Separated Self. And it'll be a deep dive into Chiron and Aries. And in that class, I'll um, teach you how to identify Chiron and Aries in your chart. I'll go through um, some background of Chiron, the astronomy, as well as the astrological significance, and we'll work with this transit and the things that it's going to bring up as a means for healing and self-understanding. Um, so if you're interested in astrology or psychology, you might want to check that out. And the class will be recorded and available as an online class ongoing after that. So no worries if you can't make it for the live class, but if you can, that'll be a chance to ask questions and maybe to look at your chart example. And then finally, um, listen to the Aries season podcast it's came out two weeks ago. Um, for more information on this month and the astrology of this month, and you can get the embodied astrology journal. If you'd like, it's, um, a journal for the entire zodiacal season. So you can get kind of a day-by-day -day play, the planetary aspects and the lunar cycles and suggestions for how to work with them. And those journals include calendars and uh, some other goodies, and they're free for subscribers. Um, and subscribers also get discounts on my classes, and you can subscribe at any amount per month. And go to Embodied Astrology and click on subscribe. You can find out more. Finally, I am offering personal readings uh, for individuals, groups, couples. I mentioned this already. Um, if you're interested in astrology, the personal reading will tell you so much more. And I'm saying that, I think, multiple times because in the last few weeks, I've had a couple people ask me questions about horoscopes, and um, they were surprised to learn that their charts were very complex and had a lot more in them than just the sun sign. When someone asks you, what's your sign? You can tell them I'm way more than my sign. Um, yeah, that's all. Uh, all right. Well, thanks for checking in for this collective horoscope. Make sure to listen to the introduction to know where this astrology is acting for you. You can follow me on Instagram at embodied astrology. Definitely sign up for the newsletter, sign up to become a subscriber, support this work. Thank you so much for listening. I'll be back with you in two weeks for the full moon and coming up right after that, the month ahead for Taurus season. Happy new moon. Bye for now.